0: founders. This is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's episode 51 of the Superfluous Poppycock podcast. I've got Charlie Thaddeus here with me, and we're going to be discussing a number of really interesting topics that are popping up, like the Spurs are shooting threes, like uh, the concept of the Spurs' natural buoyancy, like Lamarcus and threes. How does that equal the, the feeling of being told to eat your vegetables when you were a kid. We will get to all of that and more. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. doing well. Let's start off with kind of an esoteric question. What should Spurs fans,
1: or what should we want out of this season? What do you think? I mean, obviously a championship. Obviously undefeated across the board <laughs> uh, oh you're delusional the uh yeah i'm i'm delusional um i think that what we what we should want out of this season is is hard to define um we because you do yeah you do enter every season with lofty expectations you know um you come in thinking you know we could probably make a run at this like we're the same team as last year we gave the nuggets a run we can do all these things and um as the season unfolds in front of you and you get a better look at you know the the hand that's been dealt you have to kind of readjust and that's a hard sometimes painful process and i think we're all in the throes of that process right now and it's it's weird it sounds like you're saying that it that that esoteric
0: question can't be answered
1: yeah i don't, I don't know if there's like an if there's a a quick a quick tweet of an answer um, for that. <laughs> um, all right. So
0: what's realistic for the Spurs this season? How about that? That's a little bit more concrete, a little bit more practical.
1: Uh, you. Know, I mean, I think it's become apparent that it's it's very realistic for the Spurs to make the playoffs. That's not. That's not. A qu- I think we've thought for a little bit. Oh, are they really just going to bottom all the way out here? And I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, they're despite their best efforts are sitting right there in the uh, right there in the 8th seed right right near the bottom of the playoff picture and i think that no matter what there's a there's an infrastructure in place with the team that they're just going to pick up enough wins here and there and that combined with how bad the bottom of the western conference has been and you know i i think that we can expect to make the playoffs now whether or not that's a good thing or not is is a whole different Whole different animal, but I, I, don't know, I do you do you expect to make the playoffs too?
0: <laughs> I think the Spurs are completely capable of failing their way into the eighth seed. <laughs> I don't I don't think that there's any inherent difference between the bottom of the playoffs and the top of the lottery, or the it would be the bottom of the lottery as well, the, I guess. The bottom of, of the lottery, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's I mean like a pick or two. The Spurs seem to, and it definitely seemed to be the case with the Simonich pick from from the twenty nineteen draft, that the Spurs identify their guy and go for him. Doesn't matter if there's other players that have dropped that might be no, they are focused on their guy. Because they left talent on the board. Right. That had dropped that everyone was like, wow, this is the guy we've been talking about all night, so the Spurs must be taking him. Nope, they're taking this other dude that they had already identified as theirs. So a pick or two, dropping to the 12th pick instead of the 13th or the 14th, or 15th, and I don't think it makes any difference at all. The Blazers are Jekyll and hiding their way through this season. And and the Spurs, there's a there's a natural buoyancy to this team. They're not going to be able to sink below the spur the below the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves, the Kings. Right now, all of those teams are within two games of each other. If you want to go to three games, it's the Pelicans, and that's everybody. That's was yeah. that eight? that's eight teams. I think so. Yeah. All right, so I was seven teams. I can count. So seven teams are sandwiched in in these three games from 13 and a half back with the with the blazers and the Spurs right now, just just percentage points separating them, and the Pelicans at 16 and a half back. Seven teams sandwiched in there. And I, I don't think there's any way the Spurs end up in that in, in the lowest group of that would love them
1: to get a third or fourth. It's hard to imagine that happening without something significantly changing, right? Like, uh, unless they really start playing, you know, like playing the babies, playing just, you know, a full trade of Demar or Lamarcus or something drastic. (laughs) Like, if the team just stays as is, which it likely will because we're boring, um, it's hard to imagine them... Being able to, like you're saying, like this natural buoyancy, like being able to sink, even if we, you know, maybe should.
0: So, if you want to replace boring with uh, value continuity, <laughs> sure. And if you, and if you want to say playing the man, I, I, it's, I almost felt like I got a little jolt of adrenaline just at the thought of playing the babies. I'm like, yeah. ooh, ooh. I, I think that the game on Saturday night with Lonnie out there showing what he did. That was man. I, I literally choked on the last of my dessert when I looked up and I saw the starting lineups right before the game. Cause I had
1: Twitter. I had no idea. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> made this little it was squeaking funny watching noise. Twitter kind of freak out. Um, like, cause it happened kind of all at once. Uh, I think Jeff McDonald tweeted out maybe four or five minutes before the game that that was yeah, happening. Yeah, he hadn't
0: even asked the question.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and everyone—it was kind of like that scene from The Office where they do the fire drill and everyone just <laughs> starts freaking out and throwing cats in the seat Like everyone kind of lost their brain for a second because um, it was exciting. I mean, we it were—it's not a very exciting season for a lot of reasons, but there are there are things that get us going, and you know the chance to see. Lonnie out there with the starters is is fun. It's it's that's the no other word for it. It's fun. It is fun.
0: And it was fun, but it's not like he was out there revising reprising his role from the Rockets game. He was right. a solid NBA starter, which is more than can be said for for Brent Forbes's recent performance. Sure. Lonnie challenged a guy that would have shot over the top of Bryn without even having to consider his defense as in the slightest. And Lonnie jumped with him, got a hand in his face. It was a baseline jumper. It's either, I believe it was in his first stand. It might've been at the beginning of the third quarter and challenged him, probably hid the basket from the dude with his hair. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Who, yeah who who knew who knew that his hair might possibly be uh, part of his defensive skill right I mean it's a skill to be able to to maintain that kind of a hairstyle and 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 he look he jumped with the guy, got his hand up, it rimmed out, and I found myself thinking well that's a that's a that's absolutely a shot that that dude cans over Bryn Forbes without a moment's thought so so there were some things that Lonnie did that were that were good and positive just because he is who he is, but he, he wasn't a
1: revelation out there. Not yeah. <laughs> his his I instincts mean, are really good. You know, he terrific like, instincts. And that's fun to see. Like, I mean, even though he got very much introduced to uh Brooke Lopez a few times in mm. the paint, you know, he he still had I you, you like his decision making. I like that he is challenging and, you know, he's making the right decision to go to the basket and you know you gotta you gotta meet Brook L- Lopez sometime and it's it's exciting <laughs> to watch him kind of take those lumps and absorb it figure it out and then keep going um, whereas with you know Bryn Forbes out there it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like that's going anywhere it just feels like a design flaw
0: mm, it 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 feels like uh, meatloaf for dinner,
1: yeah.
0: right? It's yeah. it's it's not necessarily what anybody's asking for, but we've got the mixings for it, and we know that it's going to be nutritious enough to keep us from starving. So let's just go ahead and that's, Bryn. I'm 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 sorry. You're a great guy, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm afraid that the experiment's gone on long enough for us yeah. to all be honest and, and, and ex- and ex- expect to be able to recognize that the, the man is not going to morph into an NBA starter, you know, over the next few games or the next few weeks, maybe in his career at all. And, uh, you know, I want to go back to the idea of the Spurs natural buoyancy. I want to, I want to think about, I want to talk about, uh, the fact that I don't think that there is a make-or-break game, a make-or-break stretch of games. I believe this is a break-or-break, make-or-make season in that where the Spurs are as, as a team, they can't rival the Bucks and the talent that they have. The Lakers, the Clippers, they can hang with those teams, maybe for a game, maybe for a, a couple of quarters. But it's just—it's not going to go beyond that, and and we need to be able to to come to terms with the fact that it's going to be a bottom of the playoffs or the end of the lottery. There's that that stretch is going to be in there. The rest of the teams in the West are just that bad, and that means that that there is there is some freedom to 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 handle the season the way that Pop wants to and i i don't see him trading uh, lamarcus and probably not even demar uh, e- even though it doesn't look like the team's very interested in extending him i think they could have done that before the season if they wanted to and so yeah. what that what what that says is is that this team is is who they are and they're going to continue to to, to be this team as as the season goes on, with some small adjustments uh, that come from the development of players being able to do things that they currently did weren't doing at the beginning of the season. Jakob Purtle throwing down sprinting dunks in oh. early transition. He wasn't doing that at the beginning of the season. Lonnie oh. Walker's slow his role is slowly growing, and uh, I. I man this is this is the this is the conversation of the season what is the t- team capable of what can we expect from them what is their what's what's the best that they could do and 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 i think we're currently seeing it
1: yeah i mean it, it, there is something freeing about kind of not having to worry as much about what the final score is whether it was a win or a loss um, that you can kind of Take a game on a take these games on a game by game basis and really judge it whether you're satisfied by it, um, like by how they play, how they what they did in the game, what strategies they implemented, who played, what they did together. Um, That's almost more interest. That's more interesting to me, more fun to talk about than you know the win loss record, their position in the playoffs. Because like you said, it's going to either be. A low seed or a high lottery or a, a low lottery whichever however we decide to define that <laughs> um, in the in the back of the lottery or a low plastic like that's that's what's going to happen one way or another and it probably will not be some hugely defining thing for the future of the franchise but what's will but what will be defining for the franchise are the you know the foundation that we lay down right now and figuring out how we want to play and what guys are capable of and, you know, setting, you know, t- teaching people how to play defense the right way, how to put in the right effort in the right places. Um, you know, and figuring out what guys can't do. I mean, if, if it's important to know that Bryn Forbes can't be a starter, it's important to know that, um, Jacob can, you know, run the floor or protect the, or be an elite rim perfect protector. Um, these are important things to find out. This whole season is a fact finding mission, as far as I'm concerned. Mm,
0: it's a good point. Uh, this season is a fact finding mission. It's a great place to pause. We're going to make a uh, quick sponsor break here, and we'll come back where we talk about Lamarcus, the team shooting threes, Lamarcus's threes specifically, and how that's like eating your vegetables when superfluous poppycock continues. All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. This is episode 51 of the Superfluous Poppycock podcast. I've got Charlie Thaddeus here with me. Charlie, Lamarcus has been on a crazy stretch of shooting threes. It, th- the numbers are, are kind of mind-blowing. He looks extremely comfortable behind the arc. He was taking step-back threes. Real ones, yeah. on, on Saturday- oh, Real ones. Actual okay. real ones. Yeah, and 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 the team is is shooting far more threes over the last six games than they than they did in the previous twenty eight games. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about the long distance threat that's suddenly
1: coming out of nowhere in San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting and frustrating in, in equal measure. Um, you you wish they'd been doing it from the beginning of the season, Um, but you're, (laughs) you're happy that it's, it's working its way in. Um, Lamarcus in particular is, it's, it's not quite a revelation. He's, he's done this before, but it does feel like there's a more focused effort to um, make it happen, get it started early. Uh, And it's, you know, it's exciting. I mean, when I, when I say he was taking a, like a real step back, it, it was fun to see him, you know, have the ball in his hands and make a real basketball move to, create space for himself to take the three that's that's different than just kind of like oh well, i'm gonna step back to shoot a three because it's worth more points he made a basketball move that's crazy to say about a however many year veteran that he is that we're excited about <laughs> something like that but um he made the fun. same I mean, kind of move
0: i feel like he made the same kind of move that he would have would have to create space for a 17 or an 18 or a 19 footer he just happened to do it while being right there in the in the space to shoot a long two, or make make the small conscious decision to shoot a three instead, and and it, it kind of looked like he was semi comfortable doing it too.
1: Yeah, it was conf- It was a confident shot. You don't shoot that kind of thing unless you're confident in yourself and confident in what you're doing. And I think it's it's weird to watch him look that way some of the time and not all of the time um i mean i'm i I am not a professional athlete so i don't know (laughs) what it's like i mean I, i certainly don't have any idea of what it's like to be you know out there on the court and going through the ups and downs of a different game but um you know at the at the beginning at the beginning of games he looks like he's in his rhythm and it looks like he's taking these threes with confidence and he's getting out behind the three-point line on purpose he's kind of he's he's drifting out there he wants to be in that space and then sometimes it feels like he just forgets about it or he or he just is making a point to not go out there it it's so exciting when he does it yeah
0: it's like the team as a unit just kind of forgets that it's a thing they come out with the with the focus to be able to feed him to get him going to to create the space and to, and for him to find himself back there and for the people and for the guys to, to get him the ball when he is there and he, he shoots five in the first quarter and then one for the rest of the
1: game. Yeah. I I think he took in the, in the game on Saturday, he took two in the second half, I think. And that's, that's uh, it. It makes it was so fun. I just don't understand. Like we we talked about the eating your vegetables concept. It's like someone said, "Hey, if you take five threes in the first half, you can just hang out in the post in the second and don't have to worry about it." And that, <laughs> and that's it's like so. it's like the it's like the mom that goes, "It's like
0: I don't want to eat my spinach." It's like all right, so this much of your spinach, right? So There's obviously the rest of the stuff on your plate, but if you finish these, then you can still get dessert. And then yeah. the kid eats exactly that amount. And then ignores the rest and gets dessert. And man, there there you go. You've got your vegetables. You've got to eat. I I took the I t- look. I took the threes you wanted me to take, and and I'm not taking anymore. It might when, not necessarily be that mindset, but dude, it's it's
1: it's applicable. We're the only team in the league where the where the fun three point shots are the vegetables, and the the turnaround <laughs> post play is is the dessert that's bananas it's crazy i don't i don't for the life of me i can't understand why it seems like that is happening um and i want to be grateful that it's that we're getting the threes that we are getting but it's still just it's it speaks to a a very strange mindset that this team has had for for a while now about about how they play the game
0: it is it is odd but the Spurs have been odd for a long time. Uh, here's something that's not odd. It's maybe brutal. It's maybe scary. It's definitely daunting. Uh, I'm going to just say, the, say, say a, a few names of cities here and, and you tell me what you think. Milwaukee, Boston, Memphis, Toronto, Miami, Atlanta, Miami, Phoenix, New Orleans, phoenix toronto chicago utah that's the rest of january it's it's, it those all sound
1: like wins to me i'm gonna be honest there you You go yeah
0: (laughs) they also I, i i will guarantee you someone's winning all those games absolutely so they they all sound like wins uh it might not be a w in the san antonio spurs column but somebody's winning those games we've known like all the analysis has been done before before the before 2020 even rang in this is the league's most difficult schedule for January and San Antonio happens to have it so uh, <laughs> this team is not going to exit January with a winning schedule or with a winning record right, right. that doesn't mean that they're not going to still be in the playoff hunt but it does mean that what they're six games below five hundred right now. What do you think they'll be at the end of January? Just just a
1: guess. I, I don't know. I, I i think that they'll probably end up going, you know, probably five hundred on that for January. Um I you never know. You know, we maybe we catch we catch Milwaukee on Monday night. You know, there, there's all sorts of weird scheduling things that you just don't you never know in the NBA, and we we have played good teams pretty well. You know, even if we haven't yeah. snagged a ton of wins, we play good teams well. We we come out and we've got veterans. We've got a good co- you know to be had, and we play the good teams as well as we play the bad teams at this point, which is weird. Anyway, um, it's uh, it, it's going to be a weird month, I think.
0: It is so weird that the
1: team. Hangs with good teams
0: pretty well. They do at the same at at the same point. They've only really blown out two teams all season long. Now, the, both of those games recently, but that that points a, that point aside. This is a really really odd situation where where they hang with good teams and they get blown out. They'll get blown out by good teams or bad teams. They'll get blown out by mediocre teams. They'll get blown out by poor teams. No, now the equal opportunity, right? And 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 that's so puzzling, and it makes it it makes it difficult to to know what to expect, which is kind of what we what we led with at, at the at the top of the podcast. Yeah. But this this uh, this upcoming schedule, I think I think it's I think it, I think you have to say that, that they're going to be probably eight to nine, maybe 10 games below 500 moving into February. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't imagine going all the way through January at 500 and, 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 coming out the other side with, with, with six or less games
1: underneath 500. Yeah, Well, at least February gets easy. A big road trip or anything. Uh, <laughs> floating around in february.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, at least the team is playing uh, I'll I'll put it this way. I used to expect a loss on the road just because it was a road game, just because the team all the way through the 2018-2019 season just just looked like look like eating their vegetables on the road. Look like didn't want to be there. Didn't play well. So discombobulated on the road, the team's playing better on the road now. So that's helpful. So it's not that February necessarily scares me. It's just the quality of the teams that they're going to be playing, but you can kind of throw that out. Like you said, because the team almost seems to play good teams better than they, than they can maintain their focus against the poor teams. So, uh, I want to bring, I want to shift here real quick and, and talk about, uh, revising expectations for Monday night, hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think a lot of people out there thought the same thing that I thought at the beginning of Saturday's game or before Saturday's game going pops finally decided to make Lonnie Walker a starter before we jump to that conclusion, DeJounte Murray was out for personal reasons. I believe he's expected to be back on Monday. I expect him back on Monday. Uh, but regardless of whether he comes back on Monday or not, I believe as soon as he comes back, then Derek White and Lonnie Walker are going straight back to the bench, and it's going to be Forbes and Murray in the starting lineup.
1: What do you say, Charlie? I think that's right. Um, I, I don't, think it's I don't want I don't <laughs> that to happen. I think that you're correct that that is what will happen. Um, the yeah, I think that Popovich is just going he's he's old and he likes to do things the way that he likes to do them, and I think that he still values having a traditional starting lineup. like He likes he the idea of Bryn Forbes. Um, in there, you know, we, we all know that the reality of Bryn Forbes maybe doesn't match up with that. But the idea of having Bryn Forbes in there to you know sh- to stretch the floor when we when we don't really have many people stretching the floor other than Lamarcus now, um, <laughs> I think I think that he's definitely going to do that. And I think that he doesn't he doesn't just give people things because we want them, and he doesn't. I I don't think that he put. In the starting lineup on Saturday because Lonnie had somehow like finally earned it. I think that he, I think he had played well enough to be like, I can put you in here in this position because the reality like needs it. But I don't think that he thinks Lonnie is, is there yet. And I think that he likes bringing him in off the bench and I think he likes deploying him in certain situations. Um, And, you know, he's, it's very obvious that Greg Popovich is working on a different plan than the one that all of us are working on in our heads, and I think mm. that I, I wish I knew what it was. Um, but, <laughs> um, but you know, I think he's he's got a plan for how he's how he's working Lonnie Walker in, and I don't. I will be very surprised if he has decided yes, now is the time to to make him a starter and go all in on this. I. I, I don't think that's the case um, as much as I would like it to be.
0: Yeah, hopefully it won't be like it was after the Rockets game, where where he's where he where the subtext of what happens is something along lines of, "Well, now you've had your big game, can't get you let can't let you get too big a, ahead, so you're going to get a DNP and then you get going to get four minutes of playing time over your next two games, just to keep just keep you yeah.
1: just to keep your ego from getting notes. ahead of you."
0: Hopefully it won't be. Well, now you've had your start. So here's a DMP and here's you know ten minutes over your next couple of games, that would be so frustrating to to be a
1: part of. Uh and yeah. I mean the irony is that you know if we could salvage the idea of Brent Forbes as a role player, as a guy on the bench, like and that that does feel salvageable to me. Um he is the type of guy who when when He's got it going, and when he is good, Bryn Forbes, um, he's pretty valuable. You know, you you can just leave him in if he's playing. Well, that's also an option. Uh, but um, you know, we, we, we could use someone like Bryn Forbes in that in that bench rotation if we could kind of figure out a way to use him better and in more advantageous. But um, that's I don't know, as long as he's a starter and as long as he's playing those minutes, I think we're just going to keep getting. The same results
0: yeah it's really difficult watching the other team target him over and over without him being able to make them pay for it and yeah. it kind of reminds me for the way that defenses used to go at Matt Bonner, but the thing is Matt Bonner was a much better one on one defender than he was given credit for and 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 teams eventually went away from that because it didn't help them win. Yeah. you get yourself out of your offense and you get your guy to take Matt Bonner one-on-one. I think the, I think Blake Griffin was maybe the only guy that really made that work because he would score, you know, it, it,
1: it's, he'd it, it hit like 80% of his baskets,
0: <laughs> but no <laughs> one else, no one else really did.
1: Like, it, was there ever was, a more polar opposite, uh, Like offensive player, defensive player uh, combination than Blake Griffin on Matt Bonner. Yeah, it's it's like (laughs) you've got complete opposite skill sets. That's
0: yeah. Well, not maybe not maybe not now. Maybe back then. But Griffin's yeah, Griffin's uh, Griffin's three is respectable, even beyond respectable now. And and Matt Matt Bonner's floor game just fits the studio perfectly. (laughs) Right, right along with the flannel. He's doing great. He is. He is. I I I love the games that he's behind the mic, uh, sitting in with uh, uh with Bill Land, providing the color uh, during the game. He does a great job in, in halftime and pregame and postgame as well. But I love him. I love him as as the color guy guy during the games. That's a that's a terrific uh, positive to the season. I wasn't expecting coming in was how much I would enjoy him and how much. He brings having played so recently and the and, the, and what he talks about and what and the way that he uh, operates regardless of 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 who he's who he's paired with whether whether it's bill lander or, or anyone else and I, I i even noticed that they've brought him in with bill and sean recently to kind of do a a three-man thing and i think that's
1: hopefully yeah, they're trying him out his insights are definitely i mean what you're talking about his uh how how recently he has been in the locker room, and how recently he has kind of been with these guys and out on the court, and even like played against them. I and mean, I love Sean, but he's definitely it's definitely been a minute since he uh, he was out <laughs> there. Um, and the, and you know you hear it all the time, in the way that uh, I don't want to bag on Sean Elliott, he's he's fine, but he does it does get frustrating sometimes hearing him rail against elements of the of the modern game, uh, and I I don't necessarily blame him. Because he's that's not the game that he played in. It's not the game he understands. Um, but it, but but it is the current game. It yes. is, and it is it's frustrating. It's frustrating to hear him. You know, I, he's not excited about about LaMarcus kind of stretching it out there. Um, and that's it's like that's, that's a frustrating. It's frustrating when the guys that are supposed to be on your side, who are your your homer announcers, are kind of uh different than what you were. Um, what what you want uh, again, I'm not trying to bag on Chuck he's largely he's largely great, and I love listening to him, but um you do notice the difference when Bonner's in there uh with a little bit of a different perspective absolutely all right we've, we've pretty much wrapped up the topics that we've
0: we prepared to to discuss on episode fifty one but I want to move into the the unnecessary foolishness portion. I want to talk a little superfluous poppycock here with you, and we gotta we gotta talk about. Tim Duncan's fit that you, that it's the recurring uh, coda to your, uh, what we learned articles that you write. Uh, Tell me, tell me, we know, we definitely know what the the low points are, right? Uh, The low point is...
1: His black, uh, his black, uh, his black black jacket, his white dress shirt and his gray Gray slacks. It's, um, it's just terrible uh, it's
0: fine he, he's it's very san antonio he, but there's so much good to talk about
1: he Has a lot that i think it's frustrating when he wears that because of how good he's been doing um he's got a great i, I don't know if he's actually dressing himself or not i haven't i haven't done the well, recording yeah, on that I yet mean, this is this is a good <laughs> for us to for us to pull back and and and
0: and and give a little context here to any of our listeners that that don't regularly read your what we learned articles. And and maybe haven't paid attention to just the way that the the internet deals with Tim Duncan, uh, sartorial savant. Right the right. the man the man wore uh, dad jeans and baggy shirts and short sleeve shirts and just never dressed up for an NBA game in his life. He was dressing was...
1: poorly even for 2005.
0: <laughs> and and this man. That's uh, been that's it, had his wardrobe uh ridiculed f- for years. Becomes uh, an assistant coach over the summer, and one of the first things that people are saying is, "Well, he's certainly not going to travel for all the games. And if he does, he's not going to dress up." And he's dressed up every single night and looked quite well doing it. So, yeah. what are your what are your favorite three or favorite three or four uh, ensembles that he's that he's worn this year?
1: Well. So again, I I think that he or whoever is uh, is is helping him out with this has a great sense of color. Like they when they do when he does wear colors um, via his jackets or his shirts, it looks great. It pops. It kind of it it's fun on the sideline, especially because there's so much uh, white and black in the Spurs home court and in their jerseys. You know, and Tim's this seven foot guy in fluorescent salmon over there. You know, that that looks it looks great and it looks fun and he's like tall and thin and attractive and can pull all of these things off. It's it's so it's so fun when he wears colors and does something exciting. And I think that's why I get so frustrated with the the drab, you know, black black jacket, white shirt, gray slacks, you know, the the accounting one oh one outfit that I call. Um but I, I I really love it when he's wearing when he's wearing bright colors. He's got like He's got a light blue. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a light blue blazer that's a little bit shiny that he that he goes with kind of uh, with with khakis every once in a while that I think looks really really good. Uh, I think his he's he's done some experiments with uh, kind of dressier t- dressier t-shirts that I think fits his kind of more casual style. I, we can. We can also get into the Henley of it all that I no, do, do not care I for. I don't
0: I don't I know. I know you hate the Henley. Um, I've enjoyed the periwinkle jacket. I think the uh, the raspberry blazer of his is is terrific, whether he's pairing it with with, with a tan or or blue. The raspberry's pant. great. The it's it's terrific. Uh and 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 what he's what he's doing with, with his shirts, I liked going a little extra overtly dressy. He's he's just not a he's just not a button down guy. He's just not the regular standard collar he's going to he's gonna he's got to throw something uh he's got to throw a little spin in there on his shirt and so i don't hate the henley i understand
1: your hate of it but i don't hate well, the well my henley. problem with the henley is that i think it looks good when he wears a dressy t-shirt because that's not wrinkled it's not um it looks sleek and clean it kind of it papers over some of the problems when he wears like a Kind of an ill-fitting dress shirt or something that doesn't work under his coat. The Henley looks it. It, it looks like a t-shirt. It doesn't look fancy. It doesn't look. I, mm. I, I just. It's not a I,
0: dress Henley.
1: It's, it's not a just dress. A I don't Henley. know. That there is such a uh, okay. Point. It's it's pajamas, and I don't. You know, <laughs> I, I want. I'm just trying to look out for Tim. I want what's best for him. I want to work <laughs> with him, not against him. Um, so I'm just trying to get the word out for him.
0: He looks great. He looks better than I do. He looks fantastic. Through forty percent of the season, what would you say? What grade would you give his wardrobe over the over over the first four tenths
1: of the uh, of the season so far? I think I would give him a B plus. I I I obviously would go. My heart wants to go higher, but I want to give. I got a A minus. I
0: I got a minus, but that kind of makes sense because I'm not I'm not necessarily judging him for the Henleys. I've got that about as on par when he goes with the with the dress tee. Once again, I understand your gripe for it. I just don't necessarily share it as as think, much, but I've just enjoyed I've enjoyed watching him wear nice clothes for hours at a time, for sure. and look somewhat comfortable in them. And you know, obviously the the, the more he wears them, the the more comfortable he will get with that, and who knows, he might start branching out. I don't expect him to ever go to a tie, <laughs> but but yeah. just the just the fact that a, a dress shirt, a blazer, and some nice pants uh, is is in his his uh, his repertoire, and he's yeah. cool with it. I mean, it is fantastic. What would you think about the about the shoes that he had on Saturday against the Bucks? That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he's. Did you, not know, did you not notice the shoes? No, I noticed the shoes.
1: I I, right. I care less about his shoes in general because I think that you know he's. You think about how big these guys are and how big uh-huh. his feet are. I I I I worry about I worry about him having to come up with a consistent you know uh, shoe game. But he he had he had some good ones on Saturday. He he looks good. Sometimes he wears sometimes he wears like untied like Clark's boots, and I that's. I'm trying. We're working on the upstairs, not the downstairs. Just yet. That's 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 <laughs> next season, maybe.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! So year two, maybe we'll start talking about yeah. about, about his foot game. But right now, yeah. it's ankles up. Wow. Yeah, I
1: love it. I mean, the one obviously, thing obviously. Would... No, no, I mean, I, I, obviously, this is sort of in jest, but um, but it is genuinely very fun to watch him sort of be a real a real person. Out there after watching him kind of, you know, be this basketball machine for us for so many years. I I I generally get a thrill seeing him kind of, you know, be himself and see like see a little bit more of the the real Tim Duncan come out as opposed to, you know, Tim Duncan, the basketball player, all the time. It's it's a very fun little wrinkle sure. of him of getting to see, especially because we thought he was going to disappear after. Um, after he was done playing, so getting to have him in our life and have him, you know, be more of himself—that's I, I really, really, really do like that about having him around this year. Just the uh, just the fact that it's even possible
0: that he might one day stick around and and coach for Oof. real. Which which I mean, just the fact that he's an assistant coach means that that's a possibility because yeah. he could. He could get a taste for it. He could really, really tee off on it. I think the, I think the, my least favorite part of the Tim Duncan dressed up experience, yours is the Henley. Mine is during a timeout when he's, he's kind of leaning over, listening to pop talk, and he takes his hands behind his back and he pulls the bottom of his coat down. Uh, It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a jacket, right? It's not a uniform for you to put your, (laughs) your hands on your knees and like tug at your shorts to keep to keep your hands from sliding down no 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 your your your, your dress is is not a prop right your your yeah. shirt your jacket it's you don't lean on it you wear it and so that would be the one thing that i <laughs> it's would it's a say rookie mistake on. for sure it's <laughs> well that'll do it for this episode of superfluous poppycock until next time pounders keep safe and let it fly <laughs>